We are so glad to be at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Uh, Miss Bro and I preach in a lot of different churches, and they're not all what they need to be. Most of them we are disappointed in, but um, this is an oasis in the desert. And I sure do thank you for letting us come and be here. And I pray for preacher that he and his wife are having a good time uh, in Michigan. And um, so. At any rate, we're thankful to be here. Thank you so much for the motel room and uh, Brother Frank and Miss Virginia for uh, having us over for lunch. And I've got a piece of blueberry cobbler that Mrs. Burwell, Mrs. Burwell ate so much at the table, she didn't have room for the cobbler. So Virginia gave her a cobbler that she uh, put in the car to take back to the motel, which I am going to eat when I get back there. So <laughs> so I want you to know that. We're so glad to be here. Um, I um, someone, someone talked to me after the service this morning, and I had, I had talked about Mrs. Burwell and I going down the highway, down the old back road behind the truck. Do you remember that? And uh, she was trying to tell me how to drive, and I told her, shut up. You remember all of that. And somebody came to me after the service and they said, they said, do you and Mrs. Burwell have, do you all have real uh, battles or real fights like that? And I, I said this, I said, I said, uh, I'll tell you what Curtis Hudson said. Curtis Hudson said, I'm sick and tired of listening to preachers get behind the pulpit and say, me and my wife been married 45 years, never had a fight. Somebody asked me one time, do you all fight? And I said, we only had one fight. We've been married 55 years, only had one fight. Started at the altar, and it's been raging ever since. But Curtis Hudson, Curtis Hudson said, these preachers are all a bunch of liars. He said, every preacher fights with his wife. Now, he said, my wife and I fight more than most. He said, in fact, we had a knockdown, drag-out battle the other day. Now, he's in heaven now. But he was alive when he told us, well, obviously. (laughs) He said, my wife and I, we fight more than most. And he said, I want you to know the other day, he said, we got into a fight that was so bad. He said, I didn't see her for three days. And he said, after three days, my left eye started to open just a little bit. (laughs) So at any rate, uh, yeah, so... (laughs) So, you know, you're just a dumb crowd, I'm telling you for sure. <laughs> Brother DeGuzman, he got it, and his wife got it, and everybody else is over your head. At any rate. So, uh, but I just wanted to say that uh, we're so thankful to get to be here. you got a great church. Just keep doing what you're doing. Brother Howells used to say that success is finding what works and then jo- just doing it over and over and over and over again. Don't ever be discouraged. Uh, if you, if you don't, uh, this is a better crowd than most of the places we go, but uh, there, are, there are liberal churches around, run a couple, three, four hundred people. Don't ever be discouraged about your crowd. I would rather have quality than I would quantity. And, uh, so just, and don't ever, don't ever be ashamed of dressing like Christians. You guys look so good. I'll tell you, it's an oasis of the desert for us. And, uh, don't ever be ashamed of that. Let me just tell you something. The world changes, things change, styles change, everything under the sun changes, 
But Jesus never changes, and the Word of God never changes. So you just keep on keeping on. If they call you old fogey, they think I used to ride a dinosaur to school. They uh, think you're an old fogey. That's okay. Just be an old fogey for Jesus. Amen. All right. Take your Bible. Turn to Exodus chapter 17. My son-in-law, I don't know if you know him or not, Brother Paul Arcan, as, uh, he is the pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church over in, in um, Annapolis area, in that area there. And um, he live streams his services, and for whatever reason, we weren't able to be in church. We were sick or something, I forget what. But So we watched him on the uh, live stream. And I have said this over and over again. I've never met a son-in-law that I liked. I never have. And uh, so I, a lot of times this brother will say, well, let's watch Brother Paul. And I'll say, well, you go watch Brother Paul. I don't want to see Brother Paul. And uh, But what we were watching him on the live stream, and he was making announcements and talking, and he said, he said, my father-in-law, I perked up. I thought, you know, he's not so bad after all. He said, my father-in-law, and he was saying some good things about me, and he said this. He said, my father-in-law, for all of these years, has had the best sermon titles I have ever heard. And I thought, that is, that's a good boy right there. You know that? He's a good guy. And then he said this. He said, his sermons are not that good, but his titles are great. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give you another one of those titles tonight. I'm going to preach on this subject, How to Beat the Devil Out of the Devil. How to Beat the Devil Out of the Devil. Let me tell you tonight, before I read the Scripture, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 17. And uh, But before I read the Scripture, uh, let me just start out by saying this. When I pastored many years ago, we had a, a lady that came to our church. She was a grandmother. She was up in age. She brought her little grandson to church with her each time she came to church. His name was Rocky. Rocky was about, I'm going to guess, about six years old. By the way, you don't, really, you don't know what these kids get out of the services and the junior church and the Sunday school. Uh, let me just tell you, God works in little hearts just like He does big hearts. And uh, But little Rocky was blonde, as blonde as you can be, fair-complected. He was the cutest little boy I think I've ever seen in my life. And he was the kind of kid, if he walked up to you and you didn't have any candy, you'd go to the store and buy some candy and bring back to him. I mean, he was as cute as he could be. I preached one Sunday on hating the devil. And preached on uh, one of these days, the devil's going back the hill from where he came, and 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 uh, was just preaching on hating the devil. And um, after the service, Grandma and Rocky went back home. Grandma had a beautiful yard, a nice home, big brick home, beautiful yard. All the bushes were trimmed, just a gorgeous place. She went into the kitchen to make lunch for her and Rocky. Rocky jumped into his old clothes and went next door and got the little kid next door, six or seven years old, and they came back. Rocky had a hoe that the handle was broken off of, and the little other little boy had a shovel that the handle was broken off of, and they were sitting in the backyard on the ground digging a hole in Grandma's yard. Grandma looked out the window of the house, a true story, and she saw him, and she loved her, her lawn. She loved, groomed everything. 
She saw him, man, she ran out there. She grabbed him, picked him up, and just shook him up in the air and said, Rocky, what are you doing to Grandma's yard? She said tears were running down his eyes. And he looked at Grandma and he said, we're trying to find the devil. He said, if we find him, we're going to kill him. I don't think he should have been digging up Grandma's yard, but I'll tell you this, I like his attitude. There's nothing wrong with hating the devil. Somebody said to Dr. John Rice one time, said, Brother Rice, do you think you'd ever hate the devil so much you'd cuss him? And Brother Rice looked at him and said, I don't, I don't think I'd say the words, but he said, if you'll write them on paper, I'll sign it. Nothing wrong with hating the devil. Look in your Bible, Exodus chapter number 17. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. And I want to read a few verses here and speak on the subject, how to beat the devil out of the devil. Let me tell you why I'm preaching on this tonight. Because the devil is after everybody in this room. And he has a thousand ways to try to knock you out of God's work and defeat you and cause you just to fall by the wayside. He's after people in your life that you care about, and you're worried to death about those people that need God's help, and nothing seems to be happening. The devil is alive and real today, and he's after us. And so, I'm going to preach on that subject, how to beat the devil out of the devil. Look at verse number 8 in chapter 17 of the book of Exodus. Here's what it says. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for one last opportunity this time to get to come and preach the Word of God. And Father, we know tonight that you're real. We know, we, we, we know you live within our hearts. And Father, we also know that there's a real devil tonight. And the devil is working harder today to destroy your people and to destroy your work than he ever has in the history of the world. The Bible says that he knows his days are short, and because of that, his efforts are even greater. I pray tonight you speak to our hearts. Help us to realize that Satan wants to destroy us, our families, our homes, and I pray tonight you'd help us to figure out from the Word of God how that we can beat the devil out of the devil. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. The Christian life, and I want you to follow me tonight, the Christian life is always a series of battles. How many of you are saved? Hold your hand up. 
If you've been saved very long, you know that what I'm saying is true. It's battle after battle after battle after battle, and it's never going to end until we hear the sound of the trumpet and Jesus comes to take us home. The Christian life is always a series of battles. And here's how he does it. The devil attacks in some area of life. We pray, and then God gives us the victory. But about the time we get the victory, the devil attacks again. Maybe in some other area. And we go to God, and we ask God to help, and God gives us victory. But then the devil attacks again. Over and over and over, it's like that in our lives. So was the history of the people of God. In this story, God had given them a great victory. They, they had come to a place called Raphidim, and there was no water there for them to drink. Now listen, that's a death sentence. You can go without food for a long time. In fact, as I look around, some of you... <laughs> You go longer than some of the others. You can go without food for a long time, but you can't go without water very long. So God told Moses to take a rod and smite the rock. And when he did, now listen, these people are think they're going to die. There's no water to be had. And go, Moses goes to God. God says, smite the rock. He smites the rock and water miraculous. Hey, listen, do you believe that? I believe it. It's the Word of God. If this is not Hans Christian Anderson, this is God's Word. And miraculously, water began to flow from that rock to take care of the need of all the people of Israel and all of their cattle and all of their animals. It was able to take care and supply their need. What a great miracle. God's people were rejoicing. They were shouting. They were excited. Man, they were on fire. Hey, God has delivered us. And in the midst of all of that excitement, the devil attacked again, because that's what he does. The Bible says that the nation of Amalek invaded the camp of God's people and made war to try to destroy them. Now, after that great victory, and when the devil attacked again through the nation of uh, Amalek, God taught His people a lesson they would never forget on how you can whip the devil out of the devil if you follow God's teaching. Now, folk, let me tell you something. This is big stuff. This is real. The devil is alive and well, and he wants... And by the way, he's done a pretty good job of destroying our nation. He's done a pretty good job of destroying this generation of young people that are around us. Never been as bad as it is today, but I want you to understand, it's, you, you say, well, it's the rap music, or well, it's the drugs, or well, it's the immorality, or somebody said to me today, I'll tell you why our young people have been destroyed, because of the internet, and their telephones, and all of that, and by the way, that's true. I'm so sick of this. Now, it's great if you can use it to help get a church service out there or whatever. But I'm saying, listen, there's more filth and rot on the Internet than you can imagine. And it's there because, because the Spirit now works in the children of disobedience, in the unsaved, and we're living under the influence of all of that. 
it's a, it's a bad, bad situation today. And it's because the devil is behind every bit of it. He wants to destroy you and keep you from serving God. Let me tell you something. It's a shame when you walk into a church and you can't tell the church from some nightclub someplace the way people dress and act in the church. The kind of music that goes on in the church. Don't ever, listen, don't ever be ashamed to get up and sing the music that gets to the heart, not the foot. It gets to the heart and speaks and brings glory to God. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Man, I'll tell you, give me the old time religion. That's good enough for me. All right, let me give you several things tonight. I'm going to hurry. You know why? Because I've got a piece of cobbler waiting (laughs) at, at the motel. And uh, now we'll tell you how many were here this morning for the service. Okay, well, if somebody walks through those doors with a, with a, with a, with a check for $10,000, we will be leaving here early tonight. I want you to know that. All right, let me give you several things. Number one, if you want to be... Now, listen, think about your own life. Think about somebody that you're concerned about that's hurting, that's lost, whatever. And I want you to think about... Your, yourself, if you are going to beat the devil out of the devil, and I'm not just trying to preach a message. Listen to what I'm going to say. If you want to beat the devil out of the devil and win the victory, always, number one, be expecting the devil to attack. Always be expecting him to attack. Look at verse number eight. And by the way, I've said this because I heard Oliver Green say at one time, every word in the Bible is important. We read through a verse, we skim through it, we catch a little bit of it that kind of stands out, and we let the rest of it go. Every word in the Bible is important. In verse number 8, the Bible says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel at Rebidim. Now, that little word, then, doesn't seem to be very important, but it's very important to this story. The Bible says, Then came Amalek. What do you mean, then? When are you talking about? Then came Amalek. I'll tell you what he's talking about. He's saying after God had just blessed, after the victory had just come, after they were on top side, after they were shouting and praising the Lord because victory had come, then came Amalek. Listen, don't get too excited if everything's going well. Trouble's on its way. You can mark it down if you're a Christian. The battle is not over yet. So, Always be expecting Satan attack. You're never going to get victory until you realize that Satan is after you personally. I'm talking about you there in the pew. I know the devil is after the church. He wants to destroy Lighthouse Baptist Church. I know that the devil is after our nation. He wants to destroy America. You say, well, what's that have to do with God? I'll tell you what. It has to do with every missionary on the foreign fields that are winning people to Christ and giving the gospel and building churches that depend on America to be able to keep them on the mission field. Folk, listen to me. He wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy our nation. But most of all, he wants to destroy you as an individual. That's why we hear all these stories about preachers running off with somebody, or we hear about some deacon in the church messing around on the computer with immorality and all that kind of thing. Why? The devil is trying to destroy you personally. And I'm going to tell you something. When you go down, you don't go down by yourself, 
everybody that knows you and everybody that's trusted you and everybody that's believed in you and everybody that's been encouraged by you go down with you when they see you go down. The devil wants to destroy you. If you live for God, Satan hates you because you are a you're an interference to his work. You see, Satan's greatest desire is to take people to hell. He already knows he's on his way to hell. He knows what his end is going to be. And he wants to take everybody to hell with him that he possibly can. But he can only do that if he can get you out of the way if you're serving God. Now, if you're not serving God, you're no problem. He'll leave you alone. But if you're serving God, if you're passing out tracts, if you're in church every time the doors are open, if you're singing in the choir, if you're witnessing to people, if you're winning souls to Christ, if you're serving God and you're serious about it, Satan wants to destroy you so you don't hinder his work. How's he do it? He'll send worries your way. Get you all worried about something. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. We say you shouldn't worry because worrying is a sin. I know, but we still do it, don't we? We still worry about things. Worries your way. He'll send sickness your way. He'll send financial setbacks your way. He'll, he'll send temptations to sin. Get involved in sin. Get involved in something that pulls you away from God. He'll do whatever it takes to, to stop you. Now, I'm saying to you tonight, don't be surprised when trouble comes you be surprised when trouble doesn't come. And by the way, if it doesn't come, it's still on its way. I don't have time to get into the story, but I'll tell you this. When I pastored many years ago, it's amazing. I don't want to tell this story, but I can't help but tell it. Um, what, many years ago, we were meeting in a storefront building. I told you about the guy bringing the check and all that kind of stuff in. And uh, we were poor. We didn't have a lot. We had old beat up pews and I decided I was working in carpet business and pastoring uh, along with that, try to keep, keep be able to pay the bills and all. And we decided we were going to uh, put a cloth on the pews. And so we got and just a small church, just a few pews. We, we took them outside and we started painting, sanding them, painting the ends and putting the uh, poster, whatever on. We had had a new couple came to our church. They were a very charismatic couple. I don't mean religiously. I mean everybody loved them. They had a winning way. Like these two right here. And I'm teasing you. And, uh, but they had a winning way. And, um, and they came to the church and the people fell in love with them. We didn't have a lot of people, about 50 people, but they fell in love with this couple. Well, this guy turned out to be a snake in the grass. He turned out to be a rebel. We're out there working on the pews, and he walked over to me, and I was, I was sanding a pew, and he walked over and he said, Preacher, I need to talk to you. I said, what's wrong, brother? He said, I, I just, I feel like I should let you know that I, do, I just don't agree with what you've been preaching to the people. And I want you to know that tomorrow, this is on Saturday, he said, I want you to know, and this is a true story, God's listening to me. He said, I want you to know tomorrow morning, in the service, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to call for a business meeting and I'm going to ask the church to vote you out and vote me in. And a lot of people, they loved, they loved him. I didn't say a word to him. I just kept saying him a pew. The next morning, church time, we're in a storefront building. His car came 
pulled into the parking lot, he and his wife. And they had a new couple in the back seat. Now, I don't know what that was all about. I don't know if it was reinforcements or what. But they had a new couple in the back seat. I walked over to the car. Because I'm going to tell you something. The devil wants to destroy our churches. He wants to destroy us. And I don't know about you, but as long as I've got breath, as long as blood is running through my veins, I'm going to fight for what's God's. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for our nation. I'm going to fight for the things that belong to God. So I walked over to the door of the car. And he rolled the window down. And I said, brother, let me, let me explain something to you. I said, if you're here to worship with us, you're welcome. But if you're here to stand up in the service and say one word, and I pointed over to the door of our storefront building, I had my four biggest guys standing there. I said, you see those four guys? I said, here's what's going to happen if you stand up in the service. One of them's going to take your right arm, and one's going to take your left arm. One's going to take your right foot, and one's going to take your left foot. And they are going to pick you up off the ground, and they're going to swing you, and I'm going to count. And on three, they're going to throw you out in this parking lot on your bottom. And I said, I want to tell you, I hope you do stand up. He didn't even stand when we stood to sing songs. He never moved that whole time. Now, you let me tell you something. That wasn't just a something blew up in the church. That's the devil trying to hurt the church, trying to hurt the things of God. And he is actively trying to destroy each one of us to keep us from serving the Lord. Let me give you a second thing. So, if you want to beat the devil out of the devil, what do you got to do? You've got to always be expecting Satan's attack to come. Number two. Always be ready to become personally involved in the battle. Satan's going to fight. He's going to cause a battle to begin. And as soon as he does, our job is to become personally involved in the battle. Let me ask you a question. Brother, did Jesus die for you? Well, I thought he died for these people. Oh, he did them too. He died for you? Well, let me tell you something. If you're saved tonight and Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for you, then you owe it to God when the devil attacks to get in there and personally fight the battle for the Lord Jesus Christ. Get personally involved. The troubles are going to come. The battle. Listen, this church is a great church. I don't know all the insides and outsides. I know you got a great pastor. I know your standards look good. I know you're King James, I know you're soul winning, I know you're bus ministry, and I think this is a good church. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil will have a way to open those back doors and somebody coming here to try to split this church and cause trouble. The devil is not done with fighting against those who are trying to serve God. When that happens, you're to get personally involved in the battle. I have a battle to fight for God. You have a battle to fight for God. And we know the trouble's going to come. We know He's going to attack. We need to get personally involved when He does. Nobody ever wins a battle unless they get in the battle. Did you know that? You can't win a battle unless you get in it. I was preaching in a church not long ago down in Culpeper, Virginia. 
And the church was having a special service. And they invited all of the, like the EMS people and the fire department people. They were going to honor all the police department, all these sheriff's department. They were going to honor all these people in a, in a service. And so I, and I was going to preach. I went down there and I was preaching to them, fighting, fight the battle. Uh, don't give up. Don't quit. If you got to get there, kick, gouge, whatever you got to do to win the battle for God. And I was walking down the aisle and there was a three police officers sitting right there. The one on the end looked like Charles Atlas. This guy, you, he wasn't fat. He was muscle. This guy was muscle. And so I, was, I walked over to him and I said, see this guy right here? If we get in a fight, he and I, I'm going to win. I'll knock him out. And he just sat there and didn't say anything. After the service was over, we had to walk across the parking lot to the Fellowship Hall where they're going to have a dinner to honor all these people. And I saw some of the police officers over there. Uh, and so I said, well, I'll walk with them. So I walked, when I started walking with a police officer, I didn't realize it because I'm not too bright. But the guy that I was walking beside was a guy that said I'd whip him if we got in a fight. And he looked at me and he said, if you still want to have that fight, he said, we can do that. But he said, I would suggest that you go to the gym and work out for about six months first. (laughs) And I looked at him and I put my finger in his face and I said, I'm going to let you off the hook this time. (laughs) Now listen, I'm just saying this. Get in the battle. Do what you have to do. Somebody tries to hurt the church. Listen, our job's not to gossip. Our job is not to get all involved and to get, am I for this or is he right? Our job is to fight the battle against the devil. And so, if you're going to beat the devil out of the devil, you've got to always be expecting Satan to attack. And when he does, you get personally involved in the battle. Number three. Don't miss this. Because let me just tell you something. If you'll take what I'm telling you today and use it, God can give you victory and help you with many of the problems that you have in your life or somebody else's, somebody else's life. Number three, always acknowledge your need of God's intervention. Know the devil's always going to attack. You get involved in the battle, but always acknowledge your need of God's intervention. Look at verse 9, the first part. And Moses, and I love this. And Moses said unto Joshua, and don't miss these words, Choose us out men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Now listen. He did not say, Joshua, get a bunch of guys together and let them fight the battle. He didn't say, Joshua, get a bunch of guys together and you and those guys fight the battle. He said, choose us, U.S., Choose us out now. I'm in this. Moses said, I'm in the battle too. Everybody's in the battle if you're saved, if you're born again. Choose us out men, he said, to fight the battle. Now, I want to say this to you. You're never going to whip the devil. You'll never beat the devil out of the devil in your own power. You have got to have God's help if you're going to win the victory. And it was like that in Bible days. You remember Daniel in the lion's den? What happened there? God sent his angels shut the lion's mouth. It took God's help to get to victory in Daniel's life. You remember the three Hebrew children? They would have burned up in the furnace, but 
They trusted God. And they said, they said, our God's able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going about. We're going down in the furnace if we got to. And they went down in the furnace. They threw them in. The fire was so hot when he opened the door, it, it probably killed the guards that were there. Uh, there's some controversy about that, but it probably killed those guards. And they, and because the guards didn't push him in, if you check the scripture, it says they fell into the furnace. The next morning, the king came and he wanted to see what was going on, see if they'd made it. And he looked in there and he looked at some of his guys and he said, uh, fellas, did, didn't we cast three guys in there? And they said, yes, oh, king, three, we cast three in. He said, we got a problem. He said, there, there are four down there now, and one of them looks like the Son of God. And I've said this, and I believe this. He looked like the Son of God because he was the Son of God. God had come to give victory to his three, the three Hebrew children. I remember David and Goliath, little old slingshot, little old maybe 14, 15-year-old boy. And he said, God delivered me from the paws of a bear. And from the paws of a lion, and he can deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. And here's what happened. I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to give you the Burwell explanation of this. Here's what happened. He took the slingshot, and I guess some of you are old enough to know it wasn't like a pullback slingshot. It was, it was a, well, you don't need to know. But he took the slingshot, and he began to spin it around. And when he did, he let one end go. And as soon as that rock left that little pouch, God grabbed a hold of it and put it right where he wanted to be to kill that giant. You know why? God's intervention is what we've got to have if we're going to get the victory. So the devil's going to fight, be expecting it. When he does, get personally involved in the battle. But always realize that you have to have God's intervention in the battle. Then let me give you a a fourth thing tonight. Number four, always follow God's leadership. Because God does everything decently and in order. Hello. Shake your head. Don't make them rattle. He does everything decently and in order. That's one of the problems with the charismatic movement. Everybody doing their own thing. One speaking tongues and one this and one that. Let me tell you something. God... There's supposed to be order in the house of God, and God has a chain of command, and God does things decently and in order, and we are to follow designated leadership. Do you understand that the powers of be ordained to God? I think that's what he said. The powers of be ordained to God. I hate to say it, boy, this is a hard one for me. Biden's in a White House. He couldn't have got there unless God allowed it. You say, why would God ever allow Biden in the White House? Because we don't get the kind of government we want. We get the kind of government we deserve. And we put God totally out of the picture. Always follow God's designated leadership. Look at verse 10, the first part. Now, don't miss this. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him and fought with Amalek. You know what, Mo- you know what Joshua did? He did exactly what Moses said to do. You know why? Moses was a leader. Joshua was a follower. And his job was to follow the leadership in order to whip the, beat the devil out of the devil. Moses was God's ordained leader. And I want to tell you something. God has a chain of command and God expects us to uh, abide by it. 
Now, I wish I would have... I, I, uh, I was going to bring a brochure with me, um, and I forgot to do it. But you've, some of you have probably seen my brochures around here. And in the brochure, on the back of the brochure, because here's the deal. When I go to a church... By the way, I don't go to church unless it's independent Baptist. And when I go one time, if they're all messed up, I don't go back. So when I go to a church, I know I could go to that church and I am under the leadership of the pastor of that church. I'm under Brother Bishop's leadership. If Brother Bishop were sitting here today, right now and he said to me, okay, that's enough. It's time for you to quit. I quit. I'd be mad, but I quit. <laughs> Why? Because I know Brother Bishop. I know he, he, I, as a pastor, when I go to a church, I'm under him. I, years ago, I think 21 years ago, I called Brother Bishop and I said, Preacher, would you, I said, on the back of our brochure, we're going to have three preachers. One of them was my son-in-law. One of them was, I'm not sure who, I forget who it was now. And one was Brother Bishop. I said, would you do a little testimony of, about us, about Miss Burwell and myself? And anybody ever see that, by the way? Anybody ever see one of my brochures with that on the back? And uh, I'll bring some brochures in. You can, you can have, take some. But, um, and Brother Bishop wrote. Now, if I had it here, I could read it to you. But he wrote, you know, Brother Burwell's been in our church several times. And he, uh, we've always enjoyed whatever, whatever, whatever. And then he said this. He said, Brother Burwell has always fallen under the leadership of this pastor and never one time ever done our church any harm. You know what? I'm proud of that. Because I know that God's going to bless and God's going to give victory when we fall under the leadership, fall under our leadership. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. Uh, lives are being destroyed because people have uh, not been willing to follow leadership. That's the trouble. Do you know what our nation's missing today? Do you know what? The, if you looked at our nation, and there's no way you can look. You can't go in the mall or anywhere and look and not say, what in the world's happened to America? Is that right or wrong? You can't. What in the world has happened to our nation? You know what's happened to our nation? Two things. Number one, we no longer have, I'm talking about the people out there, their character is no longer an issue. There is no character. That's why, let me tell you one of the dumbest things, I'm getting on a rabbit trail here. One of the dumbest things uh, a business can do, and I think, one, oh boy, I'm going to make you some of you mad at me because you're doing it. One of the dumbest things our nation ever did, our federal government, is when they said, just work at home. Nobody gets dressed in the morning. They don't have to. If the phone rings, they go talk to their neighbor. They don't have to. And production has gone down, down, down. Because we work at home. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and ask the question. <laughs> Who here works at home? I want to know who's against me tonight. All right. Somebody said that during COVID, when they stopped people from coming into the government that they lost a lot of things that were could be accomplished, that they didn't get them accomplished, but they did have one good thing happen. They were able to save a fortune on stolen paper clips and pens. So, so, 
Well, I'm just saying this. I'm saying follow your designated leadership because God will bless and God will always give victory when we follow the person who's in charge. Rather be to listen. We wouldn't have these these uh, um, uh, uh, police officers going to court and going to trial and going to jail because they stopped somebody and there was an altercation and somebody got shot. Police officer went to jail. Let me tell you what we're supposed to do. If a police officer pulls me over and says, put your hands up, you know what I'm going to do? I'm putting my hands up. And if he wants to handcuff me, he can handcuff. If he wants to take me to the police station, he can take me to the police station. There are ways to get all that worked out and straightened out, but a confrontation is not the way to do it. And that's why we're having... And by the way, I'm a rabbit trail, but... No wonder you people are killing each other here, here up near D.C. Road rage. Listen, what you needed, well, I better not say that because preacher will get mad at me. I was going to say move to South North Carolina with me. But, but let me tell you something. In North Carolina, there's no road rage. In the middle of rush hour on the main highways, we have to slow down to 75 miles an hour because traffic starts building up a little bit. I'm just saying this. Follow your leadership. Obey the man of God. Number five. I've got two more and I'm done and I will hurry. Number five. Always be a team player. Now, I said this. Number one, always be expecting the devil to fight. Number two, always get personally involved in the battle. Number three, always realize your need of God's intervention. Always follow God's designated leadership and then learn to be a team player. In verse 10, let me just go ahead and read this now. Give me three more minutes, I'll be done. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him, and he fought with Amalek. Now watch the balance of verse 10. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hands, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady under the going down of the sun. Listen, we've got to start realizing that we have to fight the battle together. I believe Sunday school teacher said it this morning. As, as a team, we are a team for the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, we'll learn to work together as a team when we start realizing that there's only one big wheel in this whole outfit, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. It's always been about Him. And our job is just to work together to try to lift Him up. God needs every one of us working together to accomplish His will. That art, Listen, your job is to help the team move forward, not to hold the team back. And too many Christians get, get all caught up in things and they, they hold the team back. Let me give you a last thing and I'm done. Always expect victory to come. Just like you always expect the devil to, to attack, you can always expect the victory to come if you'll do these things that we talked about. When God came into the picture, Israel not only whipped Amalek, but she beat the devil out of the devil. Folk, if you do your part and get God in the picture, victory will always come. And don't be surprised when it does, because God keeps His Word.
Here's my question to you tonight. Is the devil after you in some area of life? Is he trying to destroy you? Does he have you so boggled up with worries and heartache that you don't feel like really doing much for God? Is there something going on in your extended family or your, or, or your sons or daughters, whatever, their marriages, whatever, and you worry, worry yourself to death with all of that? Is the doctor giving you some bad news about your health? Let me just tell you something. We're all in the same boat, and the boat has a hole in it. And Jesus is the only hope that we have. I would say this to you tonight. Whether you understand it, whether you realize it or not, the devil wants to destroy you, your family, your church, and your nation. And until we stand up and fight the battle and decide we can whip the devil out of the devil, we're never going to make it. We're never going to make it. Now, you say, preacher, what do we do about it? I think the first thing to do, slip down to an old-fashioned altar and just make the decision. Whatever that problem is that you're facing, I'm going to fight the battle. I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm going to believe God's going to give the victory, and I'm going to hang in there until victory comes. And if you do, you can beat the devil out of the devil. Father, thank you for our time together. I pray you speak to hearts tonight. I know that a room with a crowd like this, there's every problem under the sun. There are people here that are sick. There are people here that are hurting. There are people here that have uh, emotional worries and troubles and problems. There are folk in this room that maybe have financial setbacks. People in this room who are worried about their kids or worried about their mom, their dad, worried about their husband. Their marriage is having problems. There's no way I can mention everything, Father, that could be going on in the lives of the folk that are here tonight. But I pray that you'd help us to realize that it's time for us to get up, to believe God, decide we're going to win the victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to see God give us the victory. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed very quickly. I wonder if you're here tonight, you'd say, Preacher, there's a battle going on in my life, in the life of somebody I love, and I need God to help with it. And I, want, I just want to lift my hand and say, pray for me. I, there's a need there. I need God to do something. Pray for me. If you're like that, would you slip your hand up all over the house tonight, all over the house. God bless you. You can put them down. I'm wondering if you're here today and say, preacher, my problem is I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not. I come to church here maybe. I hear the sermons and I... Boy, they sound so good, and but I just don't know for sure I'm going to heaven because I don't know if I've ever really trusted Christ. But I would like to be saved. I would like to trust the Lord, go to heaven when I die. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone here like that tonight would say, pray for me? I'm not sure about heaven, but I want to be. Would you pray for me? Anyone at all, anywhere in the house, we love you. If you're not saved, we want you to be saved. We love you. You'd say, pray for me. Anyone, anywhere. All right. Let Heavenly Father, please bless now the invitation. Let's stand together. The music's going to play as it does.